0: Welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Jake Kirschman, and I've got Brent Chope, Chief Revenue Officer, also known as the CRO of the San Francisco 49ers, and Andy Dolich, who was at one point the COO of the San Francisco 49ers. So we've got some former and current executives of the 49ers on today. Fellas, how are you?
1: Oh, we're great. Um, we're separated uh, by what would you say, eighteen miles, Brent, from where I am on the mean streets of Los Altos, California, and I don't even know. Are you in Santa Clara or in someplace
2: Santa Clara, else? Eighteen miles, three-hour drive. Right now,
0: three. Your three-hour <laughs> yeah. drive might yeah. you, might get you a three-hour flight to uh, West Lafayette, so that's a, it's about equal.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're global. Uh, so, talking about journeys, whether they're stuck in traffic on the 101, um, you and I, Brent, have been lucky enough, and also Jake, to have the Ohio University uh, DNA in our systems. Um, I'm curious, and actually, I don't think you and I ever talked about this over all the time that we've known each other. When when was the moment um, that it entered your brain, like, whatever I'm doing now, I don't want to do that. I want to go into sports. Do you remember?
2: Yeah, I do. I, uh, my father actually is a, was a financial advisor um, for the majority of his
1: career. So
2: I was going down that path all the way until uh, my sophomore year in college. And uh, at that point, I actually got a bug in my ear from my former high school baseball coach to, uh, to apply for an internship with a summer collegiate team um, in my college market. So uh, that experience over that summer is really when I started uh, shifting to the sports business side versus the finance side.
1: And the, uh, the location, the name of the team, did you play the mascot? Was it Wood Bats? And tell us a bit about um, the multiple amount of jobs that you did while you were yeah,
2: there. Yeah, you read my notes. Uh, I did play the mascot once in a church service. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation. Uh, we'll leave that as, as is. Uh, but I was my title was a beautiful one. It was intern slash director of media relations, uh, you know, which is <laughs> which is pretty comical. Um, I was the third highest ranking officer uh, on the team as an intern, uh, summer collegiate wood bat for the St. Cloud River Bats. Uh, they've now been renamed the Rocks. So I've got a lot of uh, a lot of original gear from a team that no longer exists. <laughs>
1: And that would be a perfect donation to One Warm Shirt. Uh, Incidentally, if anybody's listening, um, this is uh, direct sponsorship here, Jake. Uh, For the last six years, I've been involved with the St. Anthony Foundation that serves the community in San Francisco. And we've created something called One Warm Shirt. And this year we added socks. Um, And anybody that's got uh, team names that have changed, uh, have a lot of quadruple extra large stuff that people have given them as uh, when they've played a golf tournaments or anything else that's at the bottom of the drawer. Uh, just, just send it to me uh, and we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, your journey through the world of sports. So we talked about the idea that got into your brain. Hey, I'm not going to go into finance. Uh, I'm going into sports. How did that get you to Ohio University? And then give us a quick GPS through the positions that you've held and the highlights and lowlights uh, along the yeah, way. So,
2: so coming from the, or with the St. Cloud River Bats, the owner of the team was actually an Ohio University alum uh, to the sports ed graduate program. So as I was considering what to do next uh, after working a couple of years in summer collegiate baseball, he introduced me into the program and was fortunate enough to go right to Ohio from uh, St. Cloud State University, my undergrad. And then from there, um, was able to pick up an internship with the Washington Nationals for a summer uh, when they relocated from Montreal that first year. And uh, after that, finishing the program, was lucky enough to get introduced to you, Andy, and then also Mike Radlick, another OU alum and get a chance to be a manager of corporate partnership sales for the Grizzlies. So at that point in time, I thought I was only gonna work for a professional team that relocated from Canada. That was my that was my current path. So I was there for three and a half years, followed both you Andy and, and Red out to the San Francisco 49ers in a similar capacity selling corporate partnerships. Went back to the Midwest with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Indy 500 to be their director of partnerships Came back west to the Niners, boomerang backed, which is very rare um, in the industry based on what I've seen to the Niners and the director of partnerships role, and then got promoted to the VP role. And then about two months ago, got promoted to the chief revenue officer role. Um, So fortunate to work for multiple great properties, um, lots of losing seasons. As you know, Andy, across all the properties that I've worked for, I've been really good at leaving teams right before they get good. (laughs) <laughs> and coming back right after they get bad again, so that's um, my claim to fame so far
0: brent on, on, uh, on moment, yeah, go ahead, go yeah ahead. on one end go of ahead. working for the 49ers and then to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where really you can't lose it's just a matter of how many fans are you gonna have show up talk us talk about some of your experiences there and how they differ from being in a team and in a an environment like the the nFL versus just a uh, it's probably, they call it the month of May here, right? A one-month event.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good question. So there's a lot of similarities in terms of uh, being in the partnership sales role um, where you're really, you know, your season is just abbreviated uh, where you're selling across a month. Um, there's obviously other events at Indianapolis that you can sell across for the Speedway. Uh, but really you have to look at how do you, how do you use social and digital to expand uh, your platform and just make it more of a 365. But yeah, it's it's different to the fact that uh, you don't have the win and loss feeling that you do at a traditional stick and ball team. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of crossover and similarity in terms of how you sell partnerships.
0: And, and in terms of the the lessons that you learned, and I, I think Andy would hit on this as well. I mean, what are what are some of the lessons that you've uh, learned across you know that journey that you've made? you know, from San Francisco to Indy and back um, and kind of up, up the ranks where you're at now?
2: Yeah, I, I think the most important thing is, you know, I, I break it down and I'm pretty simple when it comes to how, how I attack, attack a job. Um, first and foremost, do your job and do your job well, right? At the end of the day, I think sometimes people are looking too far out in their careers versus, you know, focusing on the task at hand. So that's that's where I've always started. Um, at every position that I've, that I've taken on. And then once kind of that piece is checked off, then what can you really raise your hand for in terms of finding new ownable projects that um, you know a lot, of, a lot of the times are gonna involve nights and weekends to, uh, to knock off some of those ownable projects. But really, if you're doing both of those things and you have some flexibility in terms of where you can work, um, the fact that you're probably not gonna make a lot of money as you start off your sports career, and you're not going to have much of a work-life balance. I think if you're if you're managing all three of those pieces, uh, you got a chance to be really successful in the industry.
1: So we've talked about it. Um, you know, I always make jokes about my uh, season in hoops Hades with the nine and 73, 76ers uh, way back in the early seventies. Uh, But you're speaking to major corporate decision makers when things aren't going well. We all know that it's very simple, like, hey, you want your own facsimile Super Bowl ring or how about we're flying on the team plane to this place? How do you deal with losing seasons specifically as you're talking with corporate decision makers? No, it's a great
2: question. And that's part of what you sign up for on, on the business side of a sports team. You can't control um, your product at the end of the day. Right. So, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's the only thing that I know is I mostly worked for losing, <laughs> losing seasons and losing teams. Um,
1: and. Don't, don't call them losing teams. <laughs> call them. Franchises, that lost, franchises that lost games, because if you call them <laughs> losing teams, that sort of connotes that we, on the business side, might be part of that losing. Right? We don't want to do that. Fair
2: point. Fair point so I'll, change, <laughs> I'll change my terminology and verbiage on that. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think you got to prepare prepare for the fact that you're not going to have a winning season on the field, right? Um, otherwise, you're not doing yourselves a favor to. to To pretend like you're going to win every single year so for us and the way that we've thought about it with the Niners is what's what's our unique selling proposition here for businesses to want to associate with the team regardless of wins and losses and something that we've stumbled into on our end is the fact that the 49ers have a legacy brand and we also have an innovative mentality which You know, I'm not sure how many teams have both. There's a lot of teams that are legacy and there's a lot of teams that are innovative, but I'm not sure how many cross both of those spectrums. So that's a piece that we lean on on our end. And we also lean on a lot of third party research. Um, A gentleman that we're leaning on right now, by the name of Michael Lynch used to oversee global partnerships for visa, um, both for the Olympics and NFL. And as part of that, um, you know, with him, on the on the research perspective we simply asked the question and did a custom survey around the fact that hey we haven't won on the field but there still has to be gains by associating your brand with the Niners brand and uh, we hired him and the results came back uh, with flying colors for the positive um, for the Niners so you have to be honest with your partners um, and not paint you know the perfect picture for them but also show them that associating with your brand regardless of wins and losses, is a positive for them.
1: So people don't necessarily look at, and you raised it as a positive point, teams these days are not just whatever sport they play. They're in the operation business of their facility. They may be in food and beverage. They may be in global marketing they may be a major factor in big events. It just so happens that you guys have, you know, an associated business or associated businesses elevate, et cetera. And if you ask people in the Bay area, Oh, incidentally uh, after 40 bowls are played, actually 41, uh, where will the championship of college football be played in 2019? So, uh, walk us through how you know you have a day job, but as you said, you got a lot of other day jobs too.
2: Yeah, so it's it's uh, the piece in, in leaning back in the fact and how we're a legacy brand with an innovative mentality. I think you know what our ownership group is trying to do is really diversify themselves, which helps our partners and helps our stakeholders as well. So really, we're a football team first. Is the way we define ourselves but then on the back end we're also a sports entertainment company or we're trying to build ourselves into a sports entertainment company so as part of that we took on the bay area host committee duties for the college football national championship game at Levi stadium so we have a lot of operational and revenue responsibilities tied to that that group is also helping us bid on uh world cup for 2026 and also another Super Bowl at Levi's Stadium as well. So beyond the Niners business, we have the host committee business here in the Bay Area that falls underneath our umbrella. Our president and my boss, Al, has a startup um, with Ticketmaster and Live Nation along with Oakview Group um, and Harris Blitzer, where we have created a company called Elevate. So they're out out consulting on uh, the sales and marketing capacity for sports and entertainment ventures. Um, and properties. So that's another piece of our business. Uh, We also just opened a gym concept, 49ers Fit. Uh, We have an app company, Venue Next, that's creating apps for venues. So really, as you're looking at all this, it helps us um, tell our innovative story. Number one, uh, generates additional revenue streams beyond just the team uh, itself. And then also for anyone investing dollars with us from a partnership standpoint or elsewhere, it gives us the opportunity to present multiple platforms to uh, teach of these brands based on their objectives.
0: Brent, how, based on based on what you've kind of been through in your career, how much of that is an advantage in the sense that, you know, yes, it's other streams of revenue, but there are other ways to engage partners than just the the eight, nine, ten football games a year you might have. I think, it, I think it's becoming um,
2: more and more a competitive advantage for us. So this is just take, you know, what's happened on the field for us this year. Very unfortunate with some injuries on our end, but uh, we have a nice shining light at the end of this uh, year, or as we flip the calendar to 19, I should say, with the college football champ game being here. So our partners have an entire 49ers season, and then they're also able to get involved with you know, the second most watched game in the U.S. every year. Um, hosted at a venue that they're a partner with.
1: Important point when you think about Super Bowl 50, holy mackerel, Santa Clara, Levi's Stadium, and the college football championship, you know, played within a short period of time that some cities will never get, uh, never have the opportunity to host. And while we're on that particular area of discussion, if you look at what you're doing with Elevate, Um, what uh, the Cowboys and the Yankees have done with legends off the top of your head, you know, teams are into real estate and what the giants are doing now, the Patriots and what the warriors are going to be doing in San Francisco. What is the level of competition now? Who are the four or five large players uh, maybe on the team side that are using their expertise to do more than just whatever sport Uh, you're partnered with the 76ers, right, in yeah. Elevate, their yeah, ownership group? Yeah, that's
2: a good question. Yeah. yeah, so Harris Blitzer's involved with the Sixers and, and Devils and Prudential Center. Obviously, like you mentioned, the Cowboys and Yankees are on the legend side. Um, Niners are obviously part of the Elevate group as well. Um, I've seen, you know, the, the Patriots have, have an arm, an ventures arm on their front as well. The Dodgers are doing some things in the, in the technology startup space. So, you know, I think there's more and more teams are, are starting to diversify themselves. Um, you know, those off the top of my head are the ones that I lean to. I'm sure I'm, I'm missing several, uh, but those are the ones that, uh, that you probably read about the most.
0: Well, and on top of Andy's question, obviously these things didn't exist, you know, five, six, seven, eight you know, 10 years ago when you maybe were in your first stint with the 49ers, you have this in place right now, but what are maybe some areas you're focused on and improving even further or, or looking ahead to the future uh, thinking, well, this is going to get us, you know, ahead of the game right now for the next year, two, three years. But but what about five years from now?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's, it's also challenging to look in the crystal ball um, sometimes as well. I, I'd say, you know, for us, obviously, any potential new venture or business venture mm-hmm. um, that we're looking into is interesting, whether it comes from taking a stake in the company or consulting is, is you know, anything that pops up in the sports and entertainment world, we're probably going to sniff around on just to, to check the validity of it. And then on the other side, which I, I look at is the fan experience side and how technology comes into play. You know there's a lot of talk around ar vr etc you know what's right now i think i think they're very niche in terms of how they're being used but what's the next technology that's really going to you know be be a technology that's going to be used by the mass market and the mass audience versus a very niche technology um you know we're always we always love to beta test here just based on where we're based in silicon valley Mm -hmm. with partners and and we're going back and forth on on several things. We have an, we have an AR um, partner. We're working with Intel on VR applications, but what's really the next technology piece that's going to take off. Um, You know, now that, uh, now that everyone's pretty advanced when it comes to social and digital, um, you know, digital ticketing is, is pretty widespread at this point in time, but what's that next piece that's
0: really going to help the fan experience. Andy's an expert on that, right?
1: Um, I've seen the future, and I got to tell you that it's absolutely futuristic. <laughs> uh, I can I can tell you that. And as a segue to what you were discussing, being literally and figuratively in the heart of the Silicon Valley, um, what is what is your and you can be diplomatic here, but what's your view? of all of these billion dollar companies or ones that are getting to that point, in terms of how they're looking at sports, not necessarily the Niners, but um, I know I've seen, you know, an incredible change in their thinking over the last few years, but you're, you're banging on doors every day. Um, What's your gut tell you about how far down the road we are with these technological giants really understanding, you know, how sports can be used to their advantage.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a great question. One, one we deal with every day. I mean, if you go back to right before we were opening Levi stadium, Andy, when you were here, you know, the, the most common objection from all the technology companies is, Hey, we're bigger than you guys. We don't need you. Um, from a branding perspective, which, you know, is a fair, a fair objection. So, what we've kind of turned on its head is how can we be a case study for these technology companies? I'll, I'll lean on SAP is probably the most recent relevant one to the conversation. So SAP is a, a ginormous global uh, software company. And, you know, we had some branding in place for them, but they said, Hey, we really want to lean on the Niners to use a case study that we can help sell products internationally. So we ended up uh, figuring out with them, how to pull all of our data streams from ticketing, to parking, to concessions, to fan feedback, and pull all that data in real time. So we can see that um, that data coming in real time into what we call an executive huddle presented by SAP. And our business analytics team is able to make decisions on the fly to help um, the operational flow and the fan satisfaction on a game day come to life. So without SAP, um, we were getting survey data and data back in two to three days. Now, now with SAP's help, we're literally getting data back in real time. So what's beneficial for SAP is they can walk people through uh, this data center at a 49ers game and showcase how they can bring software to life. And then they can go and use that as a B2B story in the marketplace. So what we've seen success in our technology partnerships is really getting them to a point where they're helping us solve a problem, either on the business side or the football side and allowing them to take it to market.
1: What types of businesses outside of sports do you follow for lessons, you know, that, that you want, you see them as uh, disruptors. You see them as well strategized businesses that you could learn from.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, uh, front to back reader of both the sbj and forbes uh every single week um you know as part of that i mean i'm really watching amazon probably like everybody is just in terms of how how they're taking over the world to a certain degree um but not only them but I, i really like understanding all of our partners businesses because there's almost always an application that you can take back so whether it's Talking to from Toyota to Intel to Pepsi to Budweiser, you name it, and understanding how they're connecting with their customers. At the end of the day, you know, for us to be successful, our main revenue streams are ticket sales, suite sales, and partnership sales. So if you don't understand your customers, you're never going to be able to uh, to grow your business. So I'd say leaning on our current partners and then just watching what Amazon's doing right now are are the two areas that I lean on the most.
0: Are there people that you that you lean on in, in that San Francisco area to to learn about the new and up and coming things, Brent, in terms of connecting with those who are kind of at the forefront?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, some some of my personal network, but also just just staying up on on reading Silicon Valley Business Journal. Um and, you know, tapping into our partners, we've got some partners that, like Intel that are on the forefront of a lot of things, just based on the fact that their products are in a lot of the new technology that's available. So um, every time I meet with a partner, I'm just asking, you know, what's next on the horizon from them? And it's amazing um, kind of the knowledge sources that they're sitting on.
1: Sure. And you get, and you get to talk NA, to me.
2: Of course. Yeah.
1: Um, so... As you, as you look at what you're doing now and how far you've come in, in such a relatively short period of time and how you've navigated a lot of different jobs and different geographies, is there, uh, and I'm not trying to move you out of your office now that you have this cool new <laughs> title, but is there an ultimate dream that, that you see in the future? For you and the family.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. So we've got a an eighteen month old and a three week old at home. So I think I'm anchored here uh, at least for a little while if I if I want to keep my marriage. Um, <laughs> I, I love California as well. It's a, it's been an incredible um, journey west for for myself and, and my family. Uh, my ultimate goal, though, is to is to become a president uh, of a of a sports team in the long run. I'm not in, not in a rush by any stretch of the imagination. I absolutely love my role because I get to balance the, the Niners piece with all the other business ventures, uh, that we're diving into. So it's just expanding kind of the breadth and depth of, of what I'm able to do on a daily basis, which is exciting. Um, on the, you know, on the future, um, you know, as, as opportunities present themselves, uh, we'll definitely be interested to take that next step at some point in time, but, but absolutely in no rush and, and love, uh, love my current role.
0: Brent, to follow up to the fact that you've got two little, little ones at home, how has your work-life balance changed kind of going back to what you were talking earlier in the episode, you know, with, with the different jobs that you've had and moving around, what does that, what does that look like? And, you know, maybe what advice do you have for those who are listening that that either, you know, are just starting and, and need work-life balance advice or, or those who are in your position uh, with young ones at home?
2: My advice is, uh, it's less of a balance and it's just life. At the end of the day, <laughs> um, you set your life however you want um, it set, whether it's work, whether it's home time, whether it's a combination of, I mean, with, with uh, the advent of the iPhone and all the mobile devices. At the end of the day, you can work and be at home and and bring your kids to work and, and everything else. So in my opinion, I, I try to focus less on the work-life balance and more on the fact that it's your life.
1: And if you had one or two, um suggestions to what you know i like to call the young sports careerists those people that go well let's see there's hirschman there's dolish there's show there's a lot of people that proves anybody could do it (laughs) um which actually is true i'll only speak for myself what would some of those pieces of advice be
2: uh i think i think first and foremost especially if you're launching off in your career make sure you're aligning with good people versus a logo um, you know, if it's a if it's a team logo that you're searching for, um, you're not searching for the right things, search seek out the right people to work for. I've been fortunate obviously, uh Andy, to work with you and and every step of the way in my career I've had, you know, my superior has been a mentor to me and I've been fortunate for that. Um, you know, not being tied to geography or a specific income level obviously helps early in your career. Um, you know, as you get later in your career, you can have a. you know, as you establish yourself, you can start deciding on where you want to live and how much you're looking to make. But when you're kicking off your career, um, I'm not even sure I could have pointed to where, where Memphis was on a map um, when I was first talking to you, Andy. Obviously, I didn't tell you that in the interview, but um, <laughs> a, a part of that, you just got to go work for the right people and know that they're going to help take care of you and give you the resources to be successful.
0: In terms of what you look at, uh, with the people underneath you, and, and like you said, trying to work for good people, how do you keep the perspective of of how you manage others and what you can be from a service perspective to the to those that do work for you?
2: I think the first, first thing is making sure you, that everyone knows that you have their back, because if that isn't um, very clear with the individuals that are working for you, then they're not going to be as productive as you'd like them to be, and you're not going to Um, be taking care of the customers that are investing with you as well so my first piece is is making sure you have the backs of your employees but also you need to make sure you hold them accountable um, as well so you know i I try to make sure every six months that there's clear defined goals for the individuals that i'm working with but at the same time making sure i have their back whether they make a mistake or not um, to help them get to those goals and achieve those goals
0: Andy, in terms of how you approach things, you know, say working with Brent and, and having yourself be a mentor for Brent, how how did you approach those those relationships in terms of you know knowing that Brent wanted to probably go to a bunch of different places, but but making sure that he did the best job he could for you, how did you manage that?
1: Well, I I don't think I ever use the word me. Um, I I don't have uh, an invisible ego, but uh, Brent could agree or not that it was all about the team of people. He mentioned it earlier. You know, get me to a place with good people, not necessarily a cool logo or a cool city or even more money uh, and a better title because that can be fleeting and where I've seen the greatest growth in Bren's career is being comfortable by being uncomfortable. And I I don't know if we've talked about this before, Jake, but there are so many incredibly capable young men and women that are in this business today.
0: Uh, Andy started to ask a question Apparently wanted to drop off the episode, so I'm going to go ahead and finish off here with Brent uh, with the last question in that, you know, as you look towards uh, 2019, 2020, and you're continuously trying to grow, what are maybe some areas of improvement on your own side of things that people could take uh, to to their desks and try and work on on a daily basis to, you know, continuously improve themselves and, and, and try and get better every day?
2: Yeah, I mean, very, very specific to to the new role that I have here. So I spent the majority of my career in the corporate partnership world, and now it's this new role, uh, taking on uh, the ticketing side of the business and the suite side of the business. So for me, the first couple of months in this new role has really just been a sp- being a sponge to that side of our business, and then mm-hmm. figuring out where we can make uh, some improvements across all of our revenue streams. So my biggest piece that that I'm looking at for for 2019 is how can i help really drive a a sales culture and an activation and service culture within the 49ers across all of our revenue verticals but prior to doing that i need to make sure that i fully understand um, the current business that we have in place and then what the direction we are moving forward
0: no that's fantastic and we somehow just got andy back on so look at that he can uh wrap up the episode here andy
1: uh, well, you know, I disappeared there for a while, uh, being in the heart of the Silicon Valley. Um, I know that there's a lot of hacking going on. So I think, uh, people around the world want to get all of the knowledge that they can glean in life in the front office. So I think, uh, some superpower was, was trying to knock me off there, but, um, it is, you know, Brent, I think you and and jake can ascribe to this um we see the teamwork that happens on the field every day Um, and that's what the fans are paying their money for they don't necessarily see what's happening in the front office but the really good organizations have incredible teamwork um in their offices and you know i've been lucky enough to be with some good ones and some not so good ones and brent i i would ask you to just you know you can close it about the whole concept Jake, You too, on you know the value of teamwork not necessarily on the field but in what you do every day in your job in the office for a franchise or a school or an event
2: yeah it's uh the teamwork piece is definitely critical um, you know, as you look at a sports organization, I'd say maybe taking it a little to the side, you know, we're we have to be stewards of the community at the end of the day. I mean, it's one of the only places where um, people still shut down and, and hang out with one another in a social environment, um, whether you're cheering the team on or just coming out to hang out with friends. so I think sports teams in general are, are should be in, in our good community stewards and and help. Um, you know, individuals connect with one another at the end of the day. So that teamwork piece is important, uh, not only in the front office, but on the community as well.
0: Yeah, Brent, I mean, I I think from a teamwork perspective, you know, even in college athletics, you've got 18, 19, in some cases, you know, 30 different teams that across the board, they've got all sorts of uh, obstacles that they're trying to hurdle and then on the athletic department side, you've got many different departments that you're trying to work with constantly across different goals. I think that, that that teamwork piece that you're talking about, you try and wrap around the community that that school is at and kind of same thing with the pro organization. Uh, so to Andy's point, I think that's huge and, and something that we can all focus on in, in 2019 uh, as we look forward. Brent, we really appreciate uh, your time. You know, we know, we know you're a busy guy trying to make a lot of money. So, Uh, We appreciate it. Andy, always appreciate your time as well. And and looking forward to more episodes on life in the front office in 2019.
1: It's great, uh, Brent. Um, Good luck when St. Cloud State plays Alabama in the national championship. (laughs) I think it could be one of the most incredible upsets in the history of college sports. So good luck.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.